The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, coming to the RPT stage. I know you've seen him on Instagram. I know you've seen the tweets. Big accounts be retweeting them. My boy stays viral. He's working with everybody who's somebody. I even heard the orange one himself is a fan. We have <laughs> Mr. Joe Bob in the building. What, what up? is going on, guys? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Applauso. Yes. Applauso. Great, great, brother. <laughs> hey, thank you, man. Um, we we love your stuff. We do great content. Uh, thank you. Yeah, man. What you do is so important for the type of uh, red pilling that we aim to do. Like, yeah, it's, it's infotainment. Like how you present your stuff. How do you? How did you get into like having your angle and having your voice on politics? Yeah, dude. Uh, well, first let me let me back up even further than that because I feel like anybody listening is going to like, did Chingo mispronounce this guy's Joe Bob? Is that yeah. is that his real name? Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's uh, legally on my birth certificate. One grandpa was Joe, the other one was Bob. And so anybody who might be confused about that, uh, my parents couldn't figure out which one to name me after. And so uh, they decided both, which is how you got this brown guy with the hillbilly Alabama backwoods name. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, how I got into politics, I, so this is it, it's kind of interesting. I've been on the other side of the political spectrum, not not like a liberal side, but the other side of the running campaigns. I was a consultant for like 10 years uh, running different political races, uh, probably most notably, I ran a guy for governor against Gavin Newsom in 2018 uh, in California. Did not go the way we had hoped, but uh, you know, I've been on that side of the aisle, not the that side of the aisle, that side of the political spectrum for a long time. And I just recently got into this commentating thing because of the reasons, like kind of you were stating. I, I saw well, a lot of people are upset, and I get that. A lot of people are very frustrated, and I understand that. But at the same time. You look at the demographics of people voting in the United States and think about this. Most people in this country don't vote, which is a weird thing to think about. So there's a bunch of people kind of out there in the ether. And the the idea is how do we get a hold of them for this freedom-oriented side of thinking? And my thought was, you know, let's be funny. Let's try and make light of these situations because there's nothing really out there like that with my perspective. And so that was kind of the decision to to kind of go and kind of where I get my whole basis of analysis from is I've been in, in politics for a long time, but also tried to recognize that there's a there's this big group of people that's just being unmet. And if we can do that by making some people laugh, and I love that word infotainment, uh, that that's how I would like to do it. Uh, where are you from originally? California, Southern California. I lived in Southern California my whole life, uh, Inland Empire. Uh, if you know Southern California, yeah, the very IE. Well, so. the yeah, IE, man. Big so it, it, what's up? Was that the 909 over there by Rancho Cucamonga? That's ex- I lived in Rancho. My wife and I first got married. We lived in Rancho Cucamonga for like <laughs> uh, two, three years. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've grown up here and, and also, you know, have been watching California politics for a long time. And people around the country, they know California's crazy. I don't think they know the extent of it. Right. I don't think they quite understand how 
crazy it actually is. So, uh, well, you know, bringing well, light to that is something important. You were keeping an eye on SoCal politics. I, I've been keeping an eye on SoCal cheeseburgers. Uh, <laughs> pe- people yeah. sleep. People sleep on Cali burger shops, like those old school little nook and mm-hmm. cranny burger shops. So, so, so you were just saying that. A lot of folks don't know how crazy California politics, um, how, how crazy it is. Yeah. What I tell folks is that as soon as you get out of like L.A. County or those big blue hubs, mm-hmm. or big blue cities, right yeah. away, right away, it's like, oh, shit, this is just kind of like Texas. As soon as you get out of the, the blue cities, you start seeing the, the USA hats. <laughs> well, so so look at a heat map. Have you ever brought up a heat map of California and who votes where? Like the blue, deep blue parts are like these little tiny places in L.A. County and then like San Francisco County. And then the rest of the the, the state is like bright red. Um, but obviously there's not as many people that live there. So, you know, the voting goes the way the voting goes. Um, but that's why I think there's a lot of people behind this divide California up into at least two states, maybe even three Um I kind of tend to be a fan of that. I think wow. that's, uh, that'd be an interesting. It would never happen, by the way. The way California's run right now, there's no way that Democrats in control would ever allow that to happen. But it is an interesting, uh, you know, wrinkle when you're talking about uh, the different politics that exist in different geographic locations in California. Yeah, Newsom Lini would never allow that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. New Salini. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm actually going to hopefully be touring a lot of SoCal next year, uh, inclu- yeah. including San Diego and, and around your parts. So Dude, uh, we yeah. definitely got to stay in touch and get you on the guest list, and, and you can come. Uh, shit, do you ever do stand-up? Dude, okay, so I, I, I wanted to talk to you specifically about this because, obviously, you're open about your political thoughts and all that stuff. Uh, so, okay, I've been doing open mics for, like, I don't know, 10 years it's been i've done i've done so many open mics i can't even keep track i'd never actually done like a, a full-blown stand-up show and then not not to get into crazy detail about this but i do think you might find this interesting uh i was at a tpusa event in dallas of this year and the there was a guest running late and and charlie kirk who thankfully has a lot of trust in me and has shown that over and over again it was like hey man we have a late guest can you get on stage and kill 20 minutes and I was like, uh, yeah. Stretch. So, Stretch. Yeah. And so, you know, I had done open mics all over the place, but, you know, open mics, there's like maybe 15 people there. All comedians, so, all comedians, too. All comedians who <laughs> are thinking about their own thing in their own head. So they're not paying attention to you. They're not laughing. And so I go from that to I get thrown on stage in front of 2,500 people and just have to go. And so that was like my first stand-up gig. And then thankfully, they let me do another one at uh, their SAS event, the Student Action Summit in Florida. And so I started messaging comedy clubs like, hey, I've got this footage because you know the deal with with comedians, right? A lot of times is it's difficult to get footage of themselves in order to book gigs. And I, you know, I tried to try to book different places, just even opening acts. And I think because when you look on my social media account, I don't I don't have any emphatic evidence of this. Uh, nobody got back to me. Like nobody was like, oh yeah, let's we'll take that. And you know, the footage I think is is pretty good. And so, you know, I finally got fed up with getting cold rejected of just not getting any messages back. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go book my own show. And so we went to a actually just happened this Friday went to a bar, sold it out and did an hour and filmed it all. And that's uh, that's probably going to be, you know, a special that I put out 
and just I know that's not the way that things generally happen uh, in that you know stand-up comedy world, but that's I guess how I've got to make it happen, considering the bias I think against uh, my political leanings. Well, yeah, man. Um, there's no rules. Like I definitely came, dude. From, yeah, I definitely. Yeah. it's the wild, wild west. Um, like it's not the 1980s anymore. Like it's not yeah. like a featuring like. You've seen him on a sitcom. He's yeah. the brother, you know. Uh, he was on season three, and he he was on two episodes and, on MTV. And he'll be at the Chicago Improv, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, you know. Like that's not the thing anymore. Yeah. Like I just I just sold out like a whole weekend in San Antonio with no radio interview or promo. And I know yeah. I know all the DJs. I know all yeah. the people from the radio. And for whatever reason, uh, we have you, no evidence of it. We're just <laughs> assuming. Yeah. I don't know why. Many people say there were shenanigans involved. <laughs> but but no, man, hey, props to you for uh, taking action, taking charge. And um, shit, there were times when I, you know, and even if you're even if you decide later, like, OK, I'm just going to chop it up and, you know, test them on social media. Like there's so many different ways to uh, to release your stuff. You know, who knows? Uh, Charlie might be like, hey, man. That's badass, but let's reshoot it in uh, this other venue. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm hoping for, honestly. <laughs> Hell yeah. It'll end up on, you know, there's no telling. Daily Caller, there's YouTube. There's so many different ways, um, you know, at these days. And I, I find that open mics are counterproductive for me, myself. Interesting. Because so you, you try out all your new stuff in front of, you know, the crowd. Yes, and that is because, um, like my buddy Javi Luna, he pretty much, the way he puts it is, by the time you have a a good reading of your instrument, meaning you've you've you get feedback and you of course you have a really good sense structurally as to like what joke is gonna work, like is there mm-hmm. something there? Are the punchlines good? Is the misdirection there? Is the structure and all that? And he's like, then you just gotta trust it and let it rip, um, yeah. because sometimes in those open mics you just pick up bad habits and lose confidence because you're not getting an accurate feedback loop. Yep. You know, totally. but, uh, but no, yeah, man, that. if I'm in SoCal, stay in touch and come to a guest spot and, uh, you know, test it out yeah, dude. in front you of need my... an opener. You just let me know. I know you probably got a laundry list of people that are that are jumping at the bit to do that. But if you ever need one, I, I'm, I'm there. Do you do a lot of political stuff or is that mainly or, you know, I, I it's probably half and half. I think it's a lot of uh, cultural stuff, too, which, you know, culture is upstream of politics. So I think in, in total, like everything is politics. If you want to yeah. look at it that way. Um, but I, you know, I'd be careful to not spend 45 minutes ripping on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, even though they deserve it. You know, a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, interactions with my wife, just your typical yeah. comedy stuff uh, topics. And so, yeah, man, not all political by any stretch of the imagination. Actually, you know, probably less than I marketed it. I was like, I mark in order to sell out this show it was like the Star Spangled Banter Tour, which, uh, you know, politics 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 because i'm a political guy and then i hope people aren't upset that i did 45 minutes on uh just stuff that happens oh no i think (laughs) i think it'll be refreshing for like people that follow you for the political commentary as long as it's funny 
right? At the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Hey, dude. So yeah. you're uh, you're one of our top. So we have a, a Discord with our like hardcore fans, right? And uh, you're at the top of the list of the uh, the wish list, the guest wish dude. list. So I'm happy that you got, were able to get get you on the podcast. Um, That's you, so nuts, isn't it? Right? Like, shout out to all the RPT members. But yeah, um, thank you. You said re- just now that you recently got into the commentating thing. How did you go, or where did you go from? Was it like the uh, actual working boots on the ground to the commentating thing, or how did you migrate over to digital content? <laughs> So, okay, so everything I think I've done, and I would tell this to a bunch of people that are trying to get into this sort of field, and I don't know if that's the objective of people listening to this sort of thing, but I think the biggest thing was I knew structurally what I was doing. Like, it wasn't like a, oh, I'm just going to set up a camera and start ranting in my car, and, and that works for some people, but I came out of... As a political consultant, my kind of field was the production and ad buy and social media stuff for all of these big candidates. So I was pretty familiar with all the tech side of video stuff. Obviously, you guys are running a podcast. You understand audio, visual stuff, all of the the things that make this thing work. And so with that, you know, I, I wanted to I was tired of dealing with candidates, uh, candidates from any side of the aisle are 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 belligerently annoying. Uh, and so I was trying to get out of that field in a way, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was a conversation with my wife of like, Hey, are, are we cool if I kind of take this career shift into this commentating world, knowing the kind of heat that gets brought with it? Uh, and you know, it was, we were in agreement, but at the same time, I like, I was like, we're going to do it right. Like everything is going to be crisp, clean and cut well, um, And so the first thing that I was doing was not, again, like ranting on social media because everybody rants on social media. It was like this scripted, structured, almost like TV episode type thing that um, I knew. And I don't want to sound arrogant, but I knew it was going to work. It was just a matter of where and what platform and how it was going to work. Um, and And I was confident in that coming from that production background. So the way I got into it was very much like analyzing the market so to speak and figuring out what the market needed what i enjoyed doing and what the connection there was and that's that's kind of how i got into this political commentating space none of my thoughts are anything new like i've been thinking the same thing for a long time this is just kind of uh the culmination of having some of the knowledge i had from the political campaign background and putting it to the commentary background what what kind of hate do you get like from the you know, you, <laughs> like you know how it is man sometimes like like you mentioned earlier anytime you dip your hat or your toe in, in the politics mm-hmm. people get triggered and it's like oh you need to mm-hmm. stay out of that or that's so divisive or, you're not allowed to talk about that what kind of stuff do people say okay well to, to, to comment on your your one point which i think is actually fascinating people thinking you shouldn't comment stay out of that sort of thing here's the problem with big government and big politics is that government is in every facet of our lives so unfortunately i i am the type of person that's like hey let's leave politics out of this sort of stuff but that's how i am naturally but it's become so pervasive that it's almost unavoidable like if the government wasn't so big and controlling of so many facets of our lives, we wouldn't need to talk about it. But unfortunately, what what can you talk about nowadays that doesn't involve the government at some facet? So there's that. In terms of like the hate stuff, I mean, it comes from all over the place. There, there's a I get, I get called a, a white supremacist slash like a <laughs> shill for white supremacy oh uh, a God. lot. But dude, the the thing is like I. 
so it's interesting now knowing a lot of these commentators and how upset some of them get, but also some, you know, the different way that people react to this sort of like online hatred, right? Like I now honestly look at some of the, all of the hate stuff. I was just reading a bunch of stuff to my, my wife is not allowed to read my Instagram comments anymore uh, (laughs) because she gets all like personally defensive. It's like, ah, why are they saying these mean things about you? But I look at it as an opportunity. Like if somebody says something ignorant in my DMS or on any of the comments, I don't get mad about it anymore. Well, I never really got mad at it to begin with because I look at it as like this is an opportunity for somebody to change their mind, right? That's the whole reason why I'm doing this. Like I have no, you know, bigger aspirations than being able to change the hearts and minds of people to think more logically and more freedom oriented. And so when when you get the hate stuff, I, I almost welcome it to an extent of uh, hoping to bring somebody into the fold that wasn't there to begin with. And you've seen so many of those stories of, I used to be a leftist. And now I think that's like, yeah, like that's the goal. The whole goal is to get the people that are going to leave those nasty comments on the internet to maybe open their eyes. And not all of them are going to, but I think that's uh that's the type of hate that I get and how I try to deal with it. What are some ways that that you do, um, I guess, techniques or strategy when you're trying to, like when you rebut one of the hateful comments, like how do you go about persuading and red pilling them? Well, okay, so there's, you, I'm sure you've experienced the difference between hateful comments that are open to negotiation and then hateful comments just for the sake of being hateful, right? The people that are just for the sake of being hateful, uh, I don't really try and argue with them at all. I just mostly comment something back snarky and sarcastic and leave it there. Um, But there are people that'll say, like, you know, they'll leave these big, long comments. And as far as, like, strategy goes, there's been, like, last week, there was somebody, I left a comment on Gavin Newsom's thing, kind of, like, talking about whatever it is I was talking about. Somebody left this big old comment. I responded back, and they were like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you were actually going to respond back. Then they DM'd me, and I was like, I'm more than willing to have an open conversation about, uh, you know, whatever it is you want to talk about. Like, I, I've got answers. I don't know everything, but... You know, I'm more than willing to have this conversation. And I think that's a big thing that's missing in this online culture. And obviously, I don't have time to sit there and respond to everybody. But some of the people that seem genuinely interested, the the strategy, I guess, is just talk to them. And, and a lot of them, again, given our political bent or political side of the aisle, the facts are on our side in pretty much all of the cases. So it really just comes down to whether or not a person is willing to accept logic as a basis for their uh, worldview. Yeah, so. it's funny because right now somebody's doing a podcast with Samantha B, and they're saying the yeah. complete opposite thing of what we're saying, and they're like, well, you know, the facts are on our side. So how do you even argue with anybody like that? Yeah, dude, I don't know. I would love to go. So that's the thing, too. Is And, and I, I would imagine, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on this? Like if Samantha B said, hey, Chingo, come on my podcast. Would you go? I would go. First of all, I'd be like, I don't know who the hell Samantha B is. <laughs> <laughs> she's better, she, she's better off on my podcast. I, <laughs> I don't know who the hell that is, bro. Just all right. Well, what about like Trevor Noah? Would you go on the Daily you, Show? You know what? This is a very good question. Um, We've actually played these exercises recently on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, this, this is a very good question. Um, First of all, Trevor Noah needs to come on my show because he ain't got a show no more. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> um 
Well, I, I'm scheduled to do a uh, like a bus tour thing with uh, Texas Latino conservatives down huh? in the uh, Rio Grande Valley and making some pit stops. And they mentioned, they're like, hey, uh, there's going to be a reporter from CNN on the bus. And don't worry if you don't want to deal with them. Like the head guy will, will you know, is going to give them the info so that they can show what the shift that's happening down here and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't. I was like, all they do is take you out of context and misquote you and try to frame you to look bad. So maybe if the Trevor Noah thing was like, it's, is it going to be unedited? I'm going to have to be like Trump and bring my own camera yeah. so I can release that shit. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, only because like they'll, be, they'll find a way to do a, a gotcha. Yeah. Like I, I was watching this thing last night where, um, what's the guy, John Stewart, is that his name? Yeah. He did a whole thing about what is a woman and... It's for his show. I guess it's the new season on his Apple Plus, Apple TV show. And he was showing a compilation of like, ain't number two genders. And like all the poli- you know, yeah. Republican conservative politicians saying like this gender ideology and this rhetoric and whatever happened to science and biology. And, and his, his punchline is they play a, a cut up compilation of like, ain't number two genders and like this rhetoric. And then it just cuts to John Stewart like, Dude, it's so funny you say Jon Stewart. This is one of those Life's Not Real moments. So the reason I even mentioned Samantha B was because, well, first of all, her show recently got canceled maybe like a couple months ago, right? <laughs> yeah. And John, there's this tweet going kind of viral again from Jon Stewart. It was like pre-2016, and the caption was like, what the left thought about Joe Biden prior to the election, or prior to, you know, mm-hmm. this current years. And it was Jon Stewart. Samantha B was like a correspondent, and she had handprints on her tits. One was like yep. a white one. Did you see, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, and the other one was like, looked like jelly. And the whole thing just comes down to... So what was Joe Biden doing? Because she Samantha B interviews Joe Biden right in the sketch or whatever. And he's like, well, he was writing with a with his right hand. He was writing on a chalkboard that I will not grow up women any longer. And on the left hand, he was eating uh, strawberry preserves with no utensils. And she's got the handprints on on her chest. Everyone's laughing. And then and then when he when he left, he actually shook my hand and said goodbye. And she turns around. And she's got handprints on her ass. And these are the kind of things that they were talking about. John Stewart was talking about, you know, from the left just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Meaning, so, so meaning you're saying that they used to critique Biden in They used to make fun of him, yeah, yeah prior to 2016 when he was the VP. Mm. Well, being that he uh, is inappropriate with women. Like, yeah. that was a thing on their side until they decided to not make fun of him anymore, uh, you know, randomly. Which, yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I, I got a couple jabs for the uh, Biden crime family during my comedy set. And um, sometimes people know who Hunter Biden is. Sometimes they don't. And I don't know, maybe I need to like punch up these jokes, but sometimes people get this impression that like, oh, it's just, it makes people uncomfortable. And are you trying to be divisive if you're, you know, if you're just picking on the Democrats and it's like, oh, all of a sudden we're not allowed to touch the, you know, it's like, this is America. We got free speech and in stand up comedy. This is yeah. the this is the last hope to have some kind of truth, and all of a sudden you're not allowed to talk about the president. This must have just changed in 2020. Did you guys see? So uh, I'm I, I don't know. Pride myself on trying to understand the broader thirty thousand foot view of what's happening in media and culture and all that sort of stuff. Have you noticed the last couple weeks the media, the very very friendly to Joe Biden media, has been really really more harsh on him like saturday night live i don't know if you saw their cold open like their first thing was like hey joe biden can't think anymore 
which is not something they would have done six months ago. Like, what do you think is going on there? Well, for starters, SNL, I'll say they're on the verge of just cutting that whole show altogether. So they're just really grabbing any straws. But that's just one of my opinions. Is that a theory? Or no, a, yeah. I think Lauren Michaels himself was talking about, like, we might just need to be done with <laughs> SNL. All that woke shit, man. Go woke, go broke. Um, I was actually in my hotel room in Las Vegas, and um, that must have been after the show. And it, it was me and a couple comedians hanging out, watching. And they're on the other side of the political spectrum, right? So I'm sitting yeah. here watching, and they're like, uh-huh, see? Yeah, that's that's a way to you know, make fun of the left and have it be funny or whatever. And I was just so surprised. I was like, wow, SNL's actually going there? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know if you want to go down this rabbit hole, but I think there is a push from the media as a whole. I don't know if you want to get conspiratorial on whether or not all of this stuff is designed in such oh, a yeah. way to do Put oh, your tinfoil hat on. Okay. Put it on. Where's it at? Here we go. The, Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, after the midterms, I think, I mean, a lot of the Washington insiders are talking about how are they going to get Joe Biden to announce that he's not running, right? Because you can't do that before the midterms, I guess, politically. But everybody's knowing that he, one, he's, he's not going to run. Dude is going to be 82 years old when he's running for president. That'd be insane. And obviously his mental faculties aren't there. And so I think a lot of this media push over the last like two or three weeks, which has really been like, they haven't hit Biden this hard. And Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes doing his interview with him, like, a year ago would have never hit him that hard on like his mental acuity. Jake Tapper's doing an interview with him uh, that's airing like tonight. Like, I think it's going to get really bad from the lefty side, not because they actually believe any of the stuff, but because they're trying to get him to announce, yeah, I'm not going to run sooner so that they can get somebody else. <laughs> Here's the deal, folks. In the position. <laughs> I'm not scared of ghosts. I'm faster <laughs> the most. Yeah. I, and, and I don't think they have any, but I think they want to do that sooner than later because they don't have anybody like who on the Democrat side is like, yeah, this is a good presidential candidate. No, it's all about make- Gavin, right? No, or dude, Hillary, Gavin, or Gavin. No, no, Gavin. Gavin would get. I want Gavin to be the nominee for the Democratic Party because he will lose forty nine states. <laughs> well, hey, he he wants to debate news. Uh, what's the name? DeSantis. DeSantis real bad. He said should he himself. do it? Like, should DeSantis do it? Because obviously that's a political play. But like, I'm thinking like, look, DeSantis has all the facts on his side. Like, he's got. Like, also, DeSantis isn't a dumb guy. I think DeSantis is, does a very good job at. I don't necessarily say hiding the fact, but remember, DeSantis went to Harvard and Yale. Like, he's not a stupid guy. Gavin went to Santa Clara University. I'm not trying to knock people on where they went to school, but, you know, he went I to, think he went to East Gavin, LA Community College <laughs> off of Atlantic and Whittier. Yeah, which is, you know, I'm not trying to like be that kind of person because I'm not a big <laughs> college advocate. But at the same time, like Gavin saying, oh, I'll, I'll debate DeSantis. I think if DeSantis says, let's go for it. Gavin would be like, uh, wait, I, I thought we were just trying to get TV <laughs> yeah. time here. I didn't know we were actually going to do this. Well, that's one know. that's one thing that's interesting that you bring to the table is like, like you like you mentioned, you have the background, like before the commentary, you have the, the background and the strategy and the messaging. So you're able to kind of look at it like like you're analyzing sports in a way you know? that's what i say to people yeah. i say to people like i look at politics like sports and like i have my favorite nfl team but at the same time it would be stupid of me to go into a game against the chiefs and patrick mahomes and not say oh patrick mahomes is really really good at this mm-hmm. because i think it helps your your team win more 
right? I'm not a type of guy that will say like, well, okay. So I dislike Nancy Pelosi. I think she's super cynical, but at the same time, like I'm not afraid to say she's good at what she does. Like I disagree with her on policy and everything like that, but she is a snake, a backstabbing snake that is very, very talented at the job she's tasked to doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's good for my side of the aisle to just pretend that she's a dundering bumblehead that doesn't know anything like she's good. And we should acknowledge that, I think, Mm -hmm. from a political standpoint so that we can develop strategies around accounting for that. I don't know. Yeah. That's too much honesty. People aren't trying to be honest these days. They're really not trying to be introspective that way. They just want to attack and say, fuck you, your side sucks. But you mentioned uh, you're not a very big advocate of college. So can you expand on that? Because we talk about that all the time, too. If you had kids right now that were getting ready to go into, like, let's just say they're they're freshmen, you know, they always start passing out the stuff like, oh, let's start looking at what schools you're going to go to. What would you be telling them? I would tell them at 18 years old and this would be different for different types of people. I've never been a, I've always been kind of an outside of the box type of person. Um, and I, I think I recognized that pretty early. I did go to college, but in hindsight, you know, I'm thinking like, all right, rather than spend a hundred thousand dollars going to this school, what if 18, 19, 20 year old me got a hundred thousand dollars to start a business? Where would I be now? And I would, that's the same kind of mentality I would tell to my kids. Now, my wife is a therapist, which requires going to school and then going to grad school. So if they want to go into a career like being a doctor or something in the medical field to where like you need a college degree, great. But if you're going to go to school for like business, dude, I like, I couldn't think of a worse decision, right? Like what is, what is business? Like what is, what is business? I I don't know. Like I went to, I have a business degree. And what I learned from a business degree is how to be on the board of a Fortune 500 company, uh, something that I will not do until I'm in my 60s. Okay, so what do I do now with this business degree? Well, the answer is you just go figure it out. And I've learned more in the world of business and in owning you know, a couple properties and, and all that sort of stuff. I learned more doing that than mm-hmm. 30 hours in a classroom, right? Like, and, and you know that. And I'm sure that's the same experience on your end, too. Like, you just... Literally, get out exact. there and experience the world. Like that's how you learn stuff that isn't an exact science. Like again, medical school, fine, that's whatever. But like studying communications, like just communicate with people. Like that, that you're you're gonna suck at it originally. Like right, like if you're a you know, my first couple open mics that I did as a standup like sucked. I didn't understand any of the dynamics of the room. I didn't know anything. And guess what? You just do it more and you learn more. That's mm-hmm. for, I don't know, 80% of the majors out there. That's what you just go do whatever it is that you think you're going to do. And on top of that, it doesn't cost you a <laughs> hundred grand to do that. Yeah. My story is literally the same exact thing. Uh, I went to uh, Trinity University in San Antonio, business mm-hmm. administration, concentration, yep. concentration in marketing. And really the only thing I really got out of it besides uh, the school loans and the bills, <laughs> which won't get pardoned for me, <laughs> is um, I got a chance to do college radio, which kind of got my foot in the door to kind Dude. of, I, I parlayed that into the show business. And then also there was an, there was one good class of uh, entrepreneurship. It only met on Wednesdays, like at 6 p.m. And the people that taught it were two entrepreneurs who were alumni. So these, so these dudes, you only had one project. 
It's like they yeah. brought in a different uh, CEO or VP or just somebody like the Blue Bell Ice Cream people from Texas. Uh, just different people every Wednesday. Like a dude that yeah. had a, a landscaping company, took it public. And then your only project was you had to turn in a business plan at the end of the year based on all the little things they've been teaching you about, like scaling up and, you know, show me, you know, how, how, how like, okay, you want a pet store? Okay, that's cool. I don't want a family-owned pet store. I want you to present... Uh, something you could fucking franchise and we could scale yeah. it so besides that uh yeah it was kind Dude. of like i i fell victim to like i mijo you're the first one in the familia to make it to college and mm. and i was like fuck i had no idea excuse me i had no idea that in hindsight it's like bro you're better off learning a trade not getting in debt and you know, if you want to do jujitsu, do jujitsu. You want to do stand up, do stand up. You want to do this, like just do the things you want to do, and it doesn't require some professor and some punk ass textbook. Dude, when we're when you're in town, I want to I want to kick it because I feel like we're the same person. Just you know, just one's Polynesian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one's Polynesian. Different ethnic backgrounds. Because I also saw you put out music. Yeah, right. I see you got keyboards and stuff in the back, dude. So that's my that was my jo- so so uh, my job. Your I jam. Guess, off years right is was being a musician so in in, as in the consulting world right you run campaigns every other year so it's really cyclical so like campaign years we'd run races and you know make a decent amount of money and the next year i went and played bars like country bars and music uh and put, put out stuff and i think what you said at the very very beginning i thought was like the thing that i've been trying to nail into other people there's no rules mm-hmm. like there's no rules like there, you, you can do you know a stand-up tour and then a, a concert tour and then be a political commentator on Newsmax. There's no rules that say you can't do that. And I feel like everybody in this commentating world is so still stuck in ten years ago of like, well, I I do this and I put on a suit and I talk about politics. Like, yeah, okay, go put out a hip hop album too. Like, there's no rules mm-hmm. that say you can't. And I think uh, I don't know, dude. It looked like you're. It looks like you're kind of on like that front end of like doing all the things. There's like you and like Childish Gambino, uh, and he doesn't yeah. talk about the politics thing, uh, doing yeah. stand up and and music. Well, in a way, when he had that, this is America, and yeah, the yeah. visuals and the lyrics. It's kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, well, what, what, what you saying, bro? What, what? <laughs> you sound an anti-American yeah. to me, my my boy. <laughs> Yeah. It's funny you say no, like I... Chingo's ahead of the curve because you know if, I don't know if you know this, but Kanye once asked Chingo Blink for a photo. Really? Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I, 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 I was just kind of like, eh, he's an up and coming producer, I guess. <laughs> I didn't even bother getting a copy of the photo. We need that photo. Somebody on the internet, please find it. I'm sure one he of Kanye's was, uh... friends. Yeah, when he's an up and coming political commentator nowadays, right? Like he's uh, he's following in your footsteps. Maybe he'll try stand up next. <laughs> It, it is so amazing how him, how Kanye just saying white lives matter. It just brought out the racist in people. I mean, I'm talking about black races, white liberal races. All the races came out like, no, no, they don't. You can't say that. That takes away from the BLM. That takes away from the plight of black people. And that's demeaning. And somehow it's racist to say. Mm-hmm. And I I just get a kick out of watching people do the mental gymnastics and work themselves into a pretzel, trying to figure out how Kanye is bad. Like, oh, that guy, man, he's, dude, he's bipolar. Dude, he's off his meds, bro. 
you know, he's just so polarizing, so divisive, and this and that. And dude, why is he hanging with Candace Owens, bro? She's clearly a white supremacist. <laughs> so stupid. Now, he, the, now he's in hot water for some other stuff. Okay? Yeah. yeah, and that other stuff was not great. Which I, I was kind of yeah, like I'm not, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not touching that. My, yeah, my show a couple weeks ago I was like, hey, like I know Kanye is saying some good stuff now, but also let's not hold this guy on too high of a pedestal because he can go off the mm-hmm. rails and and kind of did but one of my favorite things about that and then just in general is watching bombs get chucked proverbial bombs yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh you know rhetoric and such watching bombs get chucked and then seeing who's going to react right because when i saw the picture of candace and kanye in their white lives matter shirt <laughs> my brain instantly went like don't take the bait don't take the bait twitter and they took the bait and uh, it's just fun to watch at this point. And they're not going to them taking the bait isn't going to stop people from or it's only going to embolden other people to, you know, chuck more bombs. And uh, they're going to take the bait again. And well, same thing with our side, too. What, like, what, do you, system, what's up? what do you mean? Take the bait like. So like all the lefties meltdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I got to be careful how I say this, because I I. I don't disagree with really anything that they're doing at the moment. Not a lot. Not, not a lot of people listen to this show, brother. You good? <laughs> no, but, but uh, I think it's interesting when people do something outlandish for the sake of being outlandish. Now, obviously, Candace is crazy smart, and Kanye is you know a musical genius in his own rights. But they knew they know what they're doing, right? They understand the the temperature in the room, uh, and that raises the temperature significantly. If I were on the lefty side, I would look at that and hopefully roll my eyes and go, "All right, let's not touch that. That'll be gone in a couple seconds." But since they didn't and had a freak out, that to me is taking the bait of yeah. raising the temperature. And like, dude, don't do it if you know that the action is intended to provoke you don't be provoked don't be another statistic but like so many other times they just keep taking the bait on that uh, and i try to say the same thing on our side too when somebody says something you know nuts i kind of want to be like hey let's let's they're not serious we know no they're not serious they know they're not serious let's not make them into a bigger fixture on their own side by pretending that they are serious yeah, the way I look at it, like when I see stuff like that on Twitter, because I'm tempted to retweet a lot of stuff. I'm tempted. To, <laughs> I'm tempted to chime in on a lot of stuff, and and you know it's number feds on Twitter anyway. So you gotta even be careful like what you like, even. Yeah. But yeah. um, all the agencies are on there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so I look at it like what's noise, what's signal. Right. It's almost like mm-hmm. I got to pick and choose. Good. I got to yeah. pick and choose because some of the stuff is all distraction or it's kind of like, you know, like there's just so much to be outraged over. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this lady in Spain said, you know, she's attacking the right <laughs> Well, whatever. Right. Or you just there's that. so much stuff going on. It's like, OK, let me just see what I want to uh, force multiply and, and N- noise versus signal. I've never heard that. That's uh, that's I'm going to use. That's great. Well, Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon says it a lot on War Room. Oh, and, um, OK. okay. And there's, there's different ways to interpret it. But but you know what? I apply that to certain things. Like, for example, mm-hmm. if you're on if you're doing stand up and you're on mm-hmm. stage, there's extra words people throw in the ums and the 
the setup gets clunky, things get too wordy, and you throw in that extra tag right before the other thing, and you step on your headline, I mean, on your punchline, and it's almost like, bro, that's just noise. Like, stick mm-hmm. to the the signal part that's really going to mm-hmm. oh, make the impact. Uh, Greg Gutfield, who I don't think Greg does stand up, but he was talking about his kind of process and it was it was heartening to see that it was like, oh, this is like kind of what I do. He's like, I like writing something down and then editing it down and then editing it down and then editing it down to where it's like this hundred word thought becomes a 15 word statement. And that's what makes the impact. And whether or not you're trying to be funny or impactful, I think it's kind of the same thing It's like, yeah, don't uh, don't. What's the uh, it's weird that one of my favorite quotes is from oceans 11 i think where they're trying to prepare matt damon to like go in the thing he says don't use five words when four words will do like yeah mm-hmm. that's great that's yeah, that's, that's how one. you communicate uh ideas and try to make it as simplified as possible but also don't lose the context and that where i think is the talent comes in uh you know in comedy or in communication just in general facts do you ever find yourself getting a you know paralysis by analysis trying to break down all this stuff and condense it into short form content all the time Hundred percent, like like every day, uh, I, I sit there trying to figure out. All right, what's the best way to say this and get across the point I'm trying to get across without just rambling? And sometimes I don't do it well. I think last week, oh shoot, I forget which story we were talking about, but somebody in the comment section said, "Joe Bob's rambling today. Bad show." And I was like, <laughs> "Damn, I, I I agree." Like I like. I felt it on the show, the live show, rambling and not really getting anywhere. Like, you can have long-winded statements as long as it's kind of following the path to the direction you're trying to go. But I was just, like, trying to pull in so many different things. And I was just like, ah, this happens. Yeah, this is a lot. But also, when there's dead air, like Bill Burr famously said a long time ago, like, sometimes you just got to let dead air happen. And you you just pause. And sometimes the dead air kind of goes with what you're saying if you're trying to form the thought in the moment, you know? There's a, uh, there's a, so I know the, uh, the general, I don't want to say rule when you, when you go to class in the art of comedy, right? Watching other people do comedy, you learn so much doing it. Mm -hmm. This wasn't a comedic speech, but I watched, I'm going to leave the person's name out of it because I know them and I don't, I don't want to step on their toes. They gave a speech and had hilarious jokes. There were there were jokes that were super funny, but they didn't have the wherewithal to let the joke land. And this person sped right through all of her punchlines. So punchline and a couple people started to chuckle and then she would go on they she would go on into the next thing. And I was sitting there watching that and that was a great mental note of just let it. Let it settle, let it sit and if it's not funny, who cares? You've wasted three seconds letting it settle. And uh, if you know it's funny, then people are going to get a bigger laugh out of it because you don't run through it. And uh, that's a that's another interesting, I don't know, just component of things I've picked up uh, in the political space too, not even in the comedy space. Well, yeah, it, it overlaps, right? Because yeah, public speaking, there's just different techniques, and you know, you have audiences, and there's you know the timing and everything. So it, it definitely overlaps big time. It's such a weird challenge sometimes for me rhetorically because I did like, you know, did an hour of stand up on this last Friday and this next Friday I got to get a 30 minute political speech. And I, I'm like, OK, 
how much how how funny is this supposed to be? How much political stuff is this supposed to be? Where's the line between politics and comedy? And also, are people expecting this to be funny? I, I don't I don't know. And it's a really interesting thing to kind of toy with in my own head to try and figure out uh, uh, what direction I'm supposed to go, well, especially in these various forums. I mean, at the end of the day, bro, it's it's your brand. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. and it's always good to stand out from the rest of the lineup. And um, I've only gotten asked to come speak at a few political type things. Like there was mm-hmm. one in San Antonio where um, Governor Abbott was like the headliner, if you will. Yeah. But I still got to be me. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm like Joe Rogan, bro. Like, I'm just like nonpartisan, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I've transcended, you know, you know <laughs> I don't need party affiliation, brother. I'm kind of like a podcaster. Where I have my own platform. But um, basically, I, I try to do me because yeah. at the end of the day, bro, like in all the different lanes and categories and from music to acting to whatever, I always try to find an angle. I always try to like pivot and and make it uniquely, distinctly my voice. So when Chingo's going to do a podcast, okay, well, how's that going to be? When Chingo's going to be asked to speak somewhere, is it going to be kind of like stand up? And um, I kind of do try to blur the lines to it yeah. to where some people are like, oh, dude, man, this guy was doing stand up versus like, oh, he had a really funny speech mm-hmm. or his talk was. And when I did the thing where uh, Governor Abbott was. Mm-hmm. I was like, do I stand? I'm still toying with this part. Do I present it behind the podium like everyone else? Mm. Or do I kind of, yes. in this case, I'm going to step around and I'm going to just do it like it stand up. Well, so I've run into this a couple of times where there's a mic on the podium and they don't give you a handheld. And I'm like, uh, this, all right. Like I've got jokes here, but do they land if I'm behind a podium yeah, acting yeah. like this is a political speech? Like, I, I don't know. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah, I think I, know, I think um I think it depends on the um on the situation. So when I did the thing where uh, Governor Abbott was in San Antonio, I chose to not be um stuck behind the podium. That's just mm-hmm. a choice I made in the moment just based on I just kind of felt like there's some physical things and I I need them to see as much of me as possible and not be so uh, limited. Yeah. But but I can definitely see possibly even the next time i do this just stick behind the podium because we've seen like roasts like a jeff ross or any of those roasts. yeah 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 they they land it just it's just a different dynamic like you're not being physical and like acting out a bunch of stuff you're just kind of staying put and letting the words do the work so um, interesting yeah i'm looking forward to my next one i think it's in like two weeks i believe is a political thing yes yeah so it's down the rio Grande valley and uh um, 27th i think it's a thursday mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and they Dude, were also did, doing the bus tour uh-huh. i was gonna say uh uh turning point has a latino summit on sunday remember you should have been uh, asked to go there that would have been great uh where, in, where is it gonna be newport beach california they're doing the west coast regional summit uh which is friday saturday and i think it's the latino summit on sunday um uh, Sorry, Latin X. Uh, <laughs> it's this Sunday. How dare you? It's this Sunday. It's probably short notice. Um, but in yeah. hindsight, maybe I'll, I'll throw your name in there to see if uh, they want to bring you to a couple of stuff. Because they they do. Dude, Turning Point does the best events. And it's really not even close. Like as a consultant guy, like I, I used to go to all these events. That's where you network. That's where you get your clients. And they are on the cutting edge of making 
culture and politics mesh and make it fun, right? Like I've been going mm-hmm. to CPAC for, and not to knock on CPAC because I don't, I don't have any problem with them over there, but it's just this old guy fest where speakers talk where we're buttoned up and hmm. like the turning point events are just fun. Yeah, I've heard that, man. I've heard some critiques about the CPAC events. I've heard that like, they had to wear masks at some of them. Uh, yeah, I think masks and like I think huh. m- like people like uh, General Flynn, like they're like ah, you got to come in through the back door. Yeah, this guy and like yeah. Mike Lindell's yeah. not really invited or yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah, but hey, you know that's neither here nor there. I'd like to kind of like experience and kind of see or whatever. Uh, I was gonna say, dude, there there's a there's the big turning point event in December, which is off the rails. America Fest. If you've got uh, some time, I think it's the third week of December. Um, I can give you all the info and I'm sure they'd, uh, they'd, they'd make it worth your while to, to, to stop by. Cool. I don't know about that, but, uh, I would I'd, yeah. Yeah, love to give you the inf- information and see if you can make it down there. Yeah, Phoenix. man. Hey, since we're talking about, you know, you're talking about the, what, uh, turning point USA does with com- mm-hmm. making it fun, you know, culture and entertainment yeah. and all that. I want to kind of human, uh, uh, humanize you a bit here for the people that loved, uh, or love you and wanted to get you on the podcast, sports yeah. and entertainment. In today's environment, what are you keeping up with, if anything, when it comes to sports and entertainment? Uh, I mean, I follow most sports, uh, not religiously like uh, a lot of people do, uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm aware of all of the big happenings. I was super excited and probably got into way too many arguments about the efficacy of Aaron Judge breaking the home run record. Uh, that was uh, that was exciting for me, but at the same time, some people had some bad opinions on whether or not Barry Bonds counts. Uh, um, and then just from a cultural standpoint, uh, I don't know, man, dude, there's too much TV to watch. Like, I, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm super into whatever the big show lost uh, at the time, but now there's too much to watch. So, you know, we, my wife and I, you know, watch a couple episodes of things here and there, but generally speaking in terms of the entertainment world, uh, I don't know. I, I like to take in as much as I can just of really everything. I also, and this is, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion. I, in so many ways, think that politics is just entertainment now. I'm the same way, dude. I always say it's politics, the best novella ever written. Well, it's, it's, a, it's America's pastime. Like, yep. it yep. wasn't like that. Straight up, dude. Straight up. <laughs> it wasn't up. like that a long time ago, but now everybody's tr- involved or trying to be involved. And so you want to talk entertainment like that's the it is the biggest interactive reality show to ever exist where the like stakes American are high. Idol, stakes are high. It's American Idol time like 100 times like 100. Yeah. It's like, what do you do when you see Kamala Harris up there and like uh, nobody should be going to prison for weed? And you're like, what? dude, what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> an episode you know what of Veep. You know what I honestly do? Because I, I look at this as a sport. I say, please run for president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Like, please, for the love of God run for president i would love nothing more than to see kamala harris lose 48 states and then blame it well because she's a black woman like no i know several very very smart and talented black women that could be president way before her it's not that it's because she's an idiot (laughs) (laughs) yeah she and she already ran the last time she she called joe racist well she dropped out of the she dropped out of the primary before Iowa. Yeah, like she didn't yeah. even make it to the first caucus. That's because nobody likes her. And so this whole idea that, well, she's the vice president, she's the natural shoe-in for the nomination. Like, go for it. Who, I, like, think, who I'm thinks all that? about it. People who, who look that? at it, people who look at it like archaically, I guess I would say, look at it that way. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? Hmm. 
Well, people that also people that aren't paying attention, which, you know, well, that's, is yeah, yeah. most people. True. Most people aren't paying attention to what's going on. So they would be like, yeah, naturally Kamala Harris. But like, dude, I would I would love to see Kamala Harris on a debate stage with Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, whoever ends up being the nominee. Uh, that would be so, so good. Any chance, um, cause before we move on from entertainment, that you watched Game of Thrones in its prime? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. I like asking every person this because Chingo never got into it. And now we got House of the Dragon is out. Have you been watching that? Yes. Um, but I, back to Game of Thrones, I saw a blog, I think. I don't know what I was reading, but I read this big, long thing of how amazing it is that Game of Thrones went to the biggest number one cultural thing that every it was like the last big show that everybody gathered on Sunday nights to watch. And the last season was so bad that it is no longer even in the conversation of best show. At least I don't think. Yeah, it's true. It's very upsetting. Uh, But House of the Dragon, (laughs) on the other hand, uh, debuted as like, again, the number one show watched on the debut, I think it was. But I wanted to say that The King reminds me a lot of Joe Breezy, if you've been keeping up with uh, every episode of of House of the Dragon. Have Have you by chance? I'm one behind. I haven't watched last night's episode. Oh, bro, then never mind. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Enjoy <laughs> the next episode, all right? And if you watch it, you know, it's Joe Biden is playing the king in, in House of the Dragon. That's all I'm going to say. Just trying to, just forgetting everything? Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> You'll enjoy it. <laughs> hey, I'm curious. Um, were, yeah. you, were you raised conservative or, or were you one of the people? So, so my dad's an immigrant, or my dad was an immigrant. Uh, he moved here when he was six, I think, uh, to Hawaii and then to Southern California when I think he was in like junior high uh, or late elementary school. And I, I think that's, that's an interesting question because in terms of labeling, I don't know what labels are uh, in terms of conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat. I don't know that I necessarily fit a label super, super well. Personally, I you know I have a lot of conservative values, pretty much all of them. But I don't think it was ever pushed as like, this is what this is. This is a hardworking immigrant family who understood the value of dedication to your work, to your family, to your craft. Uh, and that just inherently becomes quote-unquote conservative whether or not like you know that's just what it was it wasn't any you know we saved money we weren't irresponsible in really any facet of life uh and that's that's how i was raised again not not necessarily overtly quote-unquote conservative just like you know living in a way that passed all of the uh value of personal responsibility like i think that's what it was so and that comes again from a guy who was born in a hut on a beach on an island, not having any of the things, then coming to America and being so. And I don't want to speak for my dad necessarily, but I think it was him being so like, whoa, look at how awesome this place is. This is great. Like, let's keep it going, as opposed to, you know, a lot of people nowadays who are. Look at how terrible the United States is. I can't imagine how us ever going forward like this. What what island is your father? Was your uh, father Samoa? From? He's a Samoan. So I, my dad's Samoan. My mom's Irish, and my name is from Alabama. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, it, that's. I guess I don't know. Hey, I got yeah. one more question for you before yeah. we let you go for today. Uh, your yeah. thoughts on Tulsi Gabbard leaving the Democratic Party? Um, 
Okay, what kind of thoughts? Like, uh, I think she's right to do it. I think it's about time. But if I were looking this solely as a political sports thing or making a, if I were a betting person and sports betting was or political betting was legal, I would say that she's angling for a vice presidential pick or secretary of state. I said that in our Discord. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I okay. If I were to lay out 2024 election and make predictions, I would imagine Ron DeSantis gets the nomination. I'm still like 50-50 on whether or not Trump runs. That's not to say that I want him to run or don't want him to run. I just think dude has been sitting on his golf course uh, for the last couple of years going like, yeah, that whole being president thing is a lot of work that I don't want to do. And I would imagine DeSantis, who who is a fantastic candidate, uh, would be unstoppable. Um, and Tulsi Gabbard leaving the Democratic Party, making all this big waves would be a pretty good position to be uh, picked as the vice president. Uh, if not her, maybe Nikki Haley, um, also very, very talented um, former governor. So, I, so that, that's kind of what I think so, about that. So it I, sounds like you saying DeSantis Gabbard. <laughs> yes, yeah, right? Maybe. I don't know. Tulsi Gabbard's also Samoan, too. So, uh, you know, maybe we're related and maybe, uh, you know, I can get an into the White House there. So For maybe sure. it's maybe it's out of personal self-interest that I, want, that I wouldn't mind Tulsi Gabbard. Being what up, beat. fam? Shit, I'm gonna try to pass. I'm gonna try to pass for something Filipino or somebody, <laughs> <laughs> so I could be invited to the cookout. What's up? <laughs> cool, badass man. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, Dude. and uh, we'll definitely link up and uh, hit some comedy stages for sure. Yeah, man, I'm I'm super down. You let me know. Thanks for having me on. I really really appreciate. It. Hey. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, but, and give uh, everybody yeah. give everybody your socials and your website and where we can listen to and follow. Just along. type in J O B O B on literally any platform twitter getter youtube instagram facebook truth social ibble uh all of the podcast platforms just j-o-b-o-b and you'll be able to where do you live stream where do you live stream to right now we live stream the daily caller show so there's a couple different things going on i do a daily show with the daily caller uh on every single weekday at like 8 15 to 8 30 ish for you know uh, however long that show goes and that's on facebook twitter YouTube and also Getter now. And then uh, I do my own thing from this studio here uh, sporadically and randomly. And that's also to those same places. Badass. Okay, brother. Keep up yeah, the man. great work. Dude, yeah. would love to stay in touch. Really, really appreciate you guys having me on and, and love what you guys are doing. For sure. Thanks, Let's brother. Go. Have a go, man. For sure. Thanks, man.